Hi Geekscapists, so happy to see you again one week after seeing you last time. That was a episode 140 of Geekscape. We're here at episode 141, and for those of you guys who are new to us, we are your new favorite movies, video games, and comic book podcast where we cover the latest news and reviews with a special guest host. I'm Jonathan London, and this is Chris Mancini. Good a, to be here. Uh, a director who I met at a film festival at Comic Con back in 2005. Uh, my Those were the days. My short, his short, were uh, in the in the uh, film festival together, and uh, you would cast a friend of mine, Michael yes. Cornaccia. Uh huh. Did a great job. And so we talked about your short, and it had leprechauns, which I'm deathly afraid of, mm-hmm. in it. Um, so was Michael too, but man, for his art, he sucked <laughs> it up. He did it. He hung out mm-hmm. with the leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a leprechaun shooting the show for us every week here. Uh, <laughs> camera left. Those are niblets from Mr. Gilmore. Uh, I think your new nick. I was thinking, you know what? This is what happens. I don't even notice when Gilmore puts his little fingers waving at the audience anymore. It's kind of become a bit of a, tr- of a trademark, right? A little bit of your signature. And I'll be editing it, and I'll see the little niblets come in, and I'm like, you know what? His new nick. He should have a new nickname based on like like fingers, niblets, but those just aren't good enough. So if you guys in the audience would like, let's go ahead and uh, make up a new nickname for Gilmore. Based on his signature, which is waving to the audience, and it's not—it's not like Gilmore's putting his full hand out there and waving to the audience. It's just this little—that's it, right there. It's almost like an alien reaching onto your computer maybe, screen. Maybe we could actually—that act of him doing that could be like a new term, like the Gil finger. Oh yeah, yeah. You've been gilfed. Yeah. You've been Gilmored. <laughs> hey, look to your right and look scared. Release the gill finger. Ah! <laughs> Did that work? Movie magic? That's right. It worked for what it was. Um, so guys, uh, this episode of Geekscape is, again, episode 141. It's hard to believe that we've been around that long. We must be really damn bored, right? Um, or stubborn. Or stubborn. Uh, we do have that new site coming up. and uh, No one gets cancelled on the internet. Nobody gets cancelled on the internet. <laughs> Um, we've come close. Uh, well, what happens is we have a, a, a like host company, and one of them's like, your podcast does too much bandwidth. We don't want the podcast, but we'll keep the website. And then we'll uh, so we'll we'll go over to that host company, and then that host company will be like, we don't like the forums because your forums are too popular and it causes too much bandwidth. So we don't want the forums. And so we're kind of like we, for the first like couple years of our existence, we kind of were like nomadic. We kept moving to all these different host companies. Remember all the pitfalls? We went through like three, four forums. And, uh, so you gotta, you got to find a host company that doesn't mind you being on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Right now, right now, our, <laughs> right now our website is on one company, and uh, all our episodes are at a different company. But those are all going to come together with a new website, which is like a month or two away. We've is been, it? I think so. I, I played around with it uh, on Sunday. We're going to start doing a little bit of testing with some extra people in about a week or so. And uh, talking about uh, new shows and things like that. I'm, I'm excited about it. Are you excited about it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, when it comes to testing, you know whose fingers you're going to need. Bring it in, Nibbles. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> Nibbles and McGrubins. It's going to be exciting. Um, but beyond just being a director, bringing it back to Chris, he is also an author. You know we've had authors on the on the uh, on the uh, show before. Here we also have a father. Um, Chris just put out his first book. It's called Pacify Me. It's a handbook for the freaked out new dad. So those of you guys who are now fathers, on purpose or by accident, and are freaking out a little bit, uh, Chris has pretty much an entire guidebook from the perspective of a geek. I mean. You wrote this as a geek, right? I did. I wrote it for, um, you know, guys are kind of freaked out about having kids, and they're still kind of into their comic books and video games and movies, and we don't really want to give that up. Right. So we kind of frame having children in that that Make uh, it a arena. Game. Yeah. And, uh, like, it, it's, uh, it's helpful hints for the freaked out new dad, but also there's helpful charts, like, how Dr. Spock is just like Mr. Spock. I'm looking at that. this here, how yes. Dr. Spock is just like Mr. Spock, and it's got this, you know, two-column chart. Comparing the two, and right off the top, it's Doctor Spock. Doctor Spock was an enterprising doctor and Navy officer who changed the science of childcare. Mister Spock was the science officer of the USS Enterprise. So Makes I mean, perfect sense. Doctor Spock wrote his book because too much baby advice can meld together in your mind and give you a whale of a headache. 
You know where this is going? Mr. Spock once mind-melded with a whale in the, the voyage home. So, I mean, you're not really going too far for your, your, your child care advice. No. You know? No. It's, you know, you, you, could, you could frame everything in Lord of the Rings or Star Trek. <laughs> Do you <laughs> find yourself doing something like that? Some weird stuff. It's like, you know, when my wife was pregnant, it felt like a prenatal Logan's run. Are you serious? I was like, okay, I have until the baby's born, and then uh, my life is over. You know? Right. And that's what you were thinking. You're so, like, yeah. okay, my youth only lasts yeah. until that point. Yeah, so. Wow. It's the weird. Your child was carousel. Yeah. It's crazy. It's weird the way we just kind of frame everything. So that's, it's kind of, yeah. If um, you freaked out about being a dad, and, but the thing is, it's a journey. It's like, right. you know, it's. Like Lord of the Rings? Uh, yes, and like, uh, like Star Wars. In fact, that's the other way I frame it. Like, uh-huh. it, you're scared at first, but then you kind of, you rise to the challenge. And yeah, eventually you'll love being a parent, as I do. But uh, but your kids are going to become prequels one so day. They, they will. And uh, I wanted to name our second kid sequel, but my wife didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I said, it's like Luke Skywalker. Like, yeah, yeah. It, like, what, what would happen if Luke Skywalker, he was a farmer. Look how right. far he came, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, being a father. It's a big journey. I mean, okay, uh-huh. so he lost a hand. <laughs> There's going to be some sacrifices Fire along the way. Fireworks. <laughs> yeah, in parenting. <laughs> do you, um, I mean, do you do geek things with your kids? Like, like the, Yes, yeah. And it's the uh, here, here's the thing that's kid. great about, uh, you know, geek things when you have children. is like, hey, I don't have to buy anything. You know, everything's already here. I've got the DVDs, you know, the uh, action figures, right. and everything's, like, already there. Uh, like, right now, my daughter, she's four, and we're watching Teen Titans. Oh, wow. She loves, she loves Teen Titans. That's cool. So, and and uh, soon she'll be old enough for Avatar The Last Airbender, which is my current complete jonesing on. She just discovered Pokemon, which uh-huh. I have mixed feelings about, but because uh, I think the cartoon's not quite as good right as the stuff that warner brothers does but uh, so you're actually yeah. not only that you're being a geek snob <laughs> yeah, 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 to your yeah. daughter. you're like oh yeah that's nice and everything yeah, but yeah. you really want is bukkake guy yeah, yeah. or whatever it's called <laughs> so yeah so that's and, you know a four-year-olds they kind of don't know the difference I'm like right. what no i like the pikachu you know right and you're trying you're trying to point her towards being a higher level yeah, geek yeah. snob no honey this is better trust me look how bad, much better the animation is you know. It's hilarious, and, and the book hand, uh, handbook for the freaked out new dad. Um, how's it how's it been? Like, what's the feedback been on the book? It's been great. I mean, it's gotten you know great reviews, and it's you know you can get it anywhere, Amazon bookstores, and uh, uh, the great thing is too, women really like it too, which mm-hmm. is good because it kind of gives them an, uh, a peek into the male psyche what we're how we're really thinking about uh, having kids and, yeah <laughs> and I'm like oh that's the reasons and all this stuff but uh guys generally because the, the thing is oh well guys don't read parenting books that's because the parenting books for guys suck that's oh, really there's, there's did, nothing now, did you can... try did you write this i did book one of the reasons of necessity? i one of the reasons i wrote it is because when i was having a, uh, about to have a kid i bought a bunch of books and read them like oh this is crap written for women not funny horrible mm-hmm. not helpful i'm like you know, why don't I write a book for the guys like me who could actually really help? Uh-huh. And that, that's how I wrote it. So it's a book, mm-hmm. a, a book for geek dads. Yes. It's a good book mm-hmm. for geek dads. Satori. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a couple dads in the, uh, in the audience. Uh, Satori uh, in, uh, in Canada. He's always uh, posting pictures on the forums of him and his kids. It is available in Canada. Slightly more expensive. <laughs> due to the uh, exchange rate but, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what, guys? Um, and available for Kindle. You know what? Um, cool. We we have a copy right here on Geekscape, and uh, we're willing to give one away to you guys. I will definitely mail it. Uh, what would be something that they, that they should do for the book? Uh, I don't know. Some kind of chill. It should be do with dads, uh, that, yeah, some kind yeah. of story. Yeah, I think I think I think the good one is knock, knock a bitch up, <laughs> and the book is yours. Videotape it. And then send, then send us like send, send us send us send us send us, send us what, what's that little thing where you can see the little baby. You're gonna kick, get kicked uh, off yeah, another yeah. host. No, no, we can see it, like the, the sonogram. The sonogram. Yeah. Oh. Knock, knock a girl up. Send us porno. And then send us the sonogram because that just gets me hot again. And then we'll send you books. So in no. six months uh, you'll be mailing <laughs> it out. <laughs> children's stories. It should uh, yeah, be yeah. like you know. In all seriousness, uh, send us your favorite memory of 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 your child. But see, here's the weird thing. It's a guidebook. 
if, if, if most of the people in our audience have already started raising their kids, their, their kids are already four, five, six years old. Oh, then you can reminisce. It'll you know what I mean? Book, like, good book to reminisce like, oh, about. Oh, so this is only, okay, so this is for new dads. It's for new dads. It's for new dads. Yeah, freaked out. What, what, what if we have people in our audience who are about to make huge mistakes? No, uh, <laughs> for, for kids, what about the people in our audience who, who like, you know, are about to have a baby? Are there any of them out there? I really don't know because yeah. I, I only know the parents who lot over their kids on the forums. Yeah, and then I know the kids who are like Jiminy in New Zealand. Even if like you already, years old. even if you already have kids, you'll still enjoy the book. You think kinda, so? Yeah, because it, it's kind of like reminiscing about uh, only the first half is really about the up to the birth. Okay, of the kid, and then the rest kind of goes into raising your kids and looking to the future. So, well, I mean, were you freaking out when you saw your baby born? Your first oh. kid, were you freaking out? Was that oh, like some yeah. alien shit going it on? It was crazy, there? you know. Comes out and like covered in Ghostbuster slime. Really? Yeah, it was <laughs> and, really. And, and as a geek, crazy. like like that's your only coping mechanism is yeah. is falling back on those references. I just kept going through uh, Monty Python sketches in really? my head because I was like, well, where's the the uh, machine that goes ping? Right. You know? <laughs> and I'm in the, they finally brought one in. And you must uh, be freaking the hell it, out. It was crazy. And then uh, I, I just remember thinking Monty Python, the birth of my child, and I realized that wow. Biological reproduction and comic surrealism are intricately entwined. <laughs> it's exactly the same. It's all part of growing up. So, yeah. so okay, okay, we're going to finalize this contest. If you guys want a copy of Pacify Me, the handbook for the freaked out new dad, uh, go ahead and send your favorite memory of your child or of making your child. Uh, you know, there, there may be some... some, some uh, People who are actually trying to make yeah. babies. Yeah, some parents in waiting. Favorite memory child-related. Um, email them to me uh, with the headline, uh, Pacify Me Contest, and uh, just put the memory in there. Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Pacify Me Contest. And, uh, and we'll send you the book. The good ones we'll read and send you guys the book. <laughs> All right? Cool. Chris, thank you for this book. I'm, I'm looking forward to mailing it to one of you guys. <laughs> And it's Simon Schuster. It's available anywhere. Yep. Check it out. So, guys, speaking of children and books, uh, one of our most popular children's books got released in theaters this past weekend. This is Spike Jones's adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, Maurice Sendak, this is his book that we knew from when yep. we were kids. Love the book. I remember mm -hmm. how much my younger brother Paul loved the book, mm -hmm. would dress up as Max. Mm -hmm. uh, Gilmore recently in the Halloween episode dressed as Max. I mean, obviously these are this is a pretty important book. We've been looking forward to Spike Jones's adaptation a for decade, a long maybe. time. I mean, this yeah, thing's been in years, years, something I cried like at that. the trailer. This thing's been <laughs> in post hell forever. It looked great. Um, it looked amazing. And the story is very simple. The story is about this young kid Max who runs away from home and finds a, a little magical island where the wild things are. And he and the wild things go on this magic rompus. And they storm through the a uh, wild rumpus. A wild rumpus. And they, mm -hmm. they they storm through the ju the jungle to the woods, and then he wants to go home and eat. Pretty simple, right? Sure. Well, he realizes. He realizes. What does he realize, Gilmore? Because I'm emotionally inept. Uh, well, okay. Well, you know the whole thing. The wild things are how he views adults. Blah blah blah. The world. He as the king is like that one person trying to fix everything, uh -huh. which is what his mom's supposed to do. Okay. And he gets mad at her because she can't. They get mad at him because he can't. Uh, the girl that's going farther and farther away from him is his sister. Okay. And uh, then after that, he has a revelation that, okay, maybe my mom can't fix everything. I am a little more grown up. I'm going to run home and eat dinner with my mama. The end. Um, what Gilmore now just explained to you... That's a very you, interesting uh, subtextual ex explanation. Do, I mean, do you, think, do, you think, do you think that that... I mean, that's what I got from the film. That's the was, broad consensus. Yeah, I, that's I think what that, I got. Well, I think I got a little bit more from that. I think what uh, also each wild thing kind of represented a negative childhood emotion. Uh -huh. And he was kind of navigating that throughout the whole thing. Okay. Because they all acted like children. I mean, did, did the film... Except they were going to eat them at the end. So we, both, we both saw the film. Uh, did, did it add to a fairly simple children's book? I mean, I, I think it must have. Well, there's there's no way it couldn't have. Right. I mean, the, how, how many lines was the children's book? I mean, but did it add those emotional levels? You know what I mean? Uh, I think in a way it did. I mean, it didn't add... Okay, if, I think it added emotion, but I don't think it added any story. But right. I think that was the point. I think it was really just an emotional kind of movie that either resonated with you or it didn't. And for myself, it did not. And Tony Soprano, uh, I could not get his voice out of my head. I was watching the <laughs> one, like, hey, that's Tony Soprano. See, I haven't seen The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. I didn't get yeah. that. So, but that, that was kind of tough, hearing that. It was like, uh, well, it's the Jersey accent 
almost there, kind of taken out, but uh, mm-hmm. still there. Yeah, James it's, Gandolfini. I think the yeah. voice. I actually think the voice work, the puppeteering, and the the CGI facial expressions. I thought all the effects and the look of the film was fantastic. I thought the look of the film was great. The CG effects on the faces were great. I think it was a mistake to use Banana Splits costumes. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially when they're running and then you know the edges and they're bouncing around. Yeah, yeah they, they just look. They look. They look. They looked yeah. like uh, theme park costumes. Okay, like, you know, you're you chasing Winnie you? the Pooh. What would you have wanted? Okay, I would have wanted, and I'm actually a big fan of practical effects. Okay. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more of a Jurassic Park kind of thing. Okay. Where it's uh-huh. when the when the animals are moving, the uh, it's CG, and then when the close-up, it's puppetry. Okay. That's horrible. So it's oh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly the type of special effects I hate. Like oh, like Jurassic did, Park, they did a horrible job with the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah you remember like that, that unbelievable ability. Animatronics. Um, you're an animatronic. Jurassic Park was so fucking believable. That was shit was so yeah, good. Yeah, I thought that was that was. No, great. but they've gone too far though. I think with the CG. So I mean, I think this was perfect. This movie this I thought looked flawless, that. but again, like Chris said, it was that lack of story that that for me hurt. I mean, uh, emotion. It didn't I really think, resonate with me. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. as a storyteller, um, uh, the emotions can always be conveyed through things like dialogue in, in a film. And in this film, it does. And there's only a little bit of action that conveys it. But for me, I, I really feel like the litmus test when you guys are screenwriters and thinking is uh, about writing a story is that conveying emo- emotions best conveyed through action. You know, in the right. choices your characters right. make. Mm-hmm. Someone said to me, and this isn't spoiler because it is the popular children's book. Somebody said to me, you know, when he got to the island, I was up until the point where he got to the island, I was really cool with it. And then he hangs out on the island for like the entire movie, and I was just kind of bored with it. I didn't get back into it until he got back in the boat to go home. Well, nothing really happened for that middle block. Yeah, they were just kind of running. <laughs> They're like, let's doing build a fort. Let's build a fort. Yeah, you know, and throwing dirt at each other. And... It's just not enough, you know. And it, it it did feel like a lazy Sunday as a child. And that's yeah. fine to convey those emotions. Like you said, it does honestly convey those emotions. Sure, it does. It's Is it enough film. to justify a film? It, well, I don't know. And that's an excellent question. It's like, is it a good or bad movie? And I don't think those terms even apply to this movie. I think it's Correct. more of, does it resonate with you or doesn't it? Right. And uh, when you hire Spike Jones, you're not looking for three-act structure. Sure. You know, when you hire him, it's going to be... You know his personal view of whatever the subject matter is, and that's what he did. So, and it was a fight, but he got his vision on the screen. And the question is, well, did you enjoy his vision or not? Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't. I thought I was bored, but uh, a lot. You know, some of my friends did. So, and that's kind of the epitome of like art and a, and a personal piece. It's like, well, it's going to really appeal to some people and really appeal to not. Now, as far as a failure or success. I don't think it's going to make the money that right. it costs to make. So, if, where are the wild things? If making that movie made, if, if it costs like under $5 million, this movie would be a huge success. But it's probably upwards. I don't know what the budget was, but it had to be around like the 100 mark. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, when you have that kind of budget, it's tough to make a personal small film and yeah. have it resonate with it. It did everybody. feel like an art film. Yeah. Made, mm-hmm. made with effects. Uh, the, the one thing. We've talked about the technical visual aspects. The one thing that technically I did not like about the movie was uh, the obviousness of the musical choices. It, it, you know, it, no, it, that's because Spike it, Jones is so tapped into the indie film. You well, know, whatever kind of music yeah. it is, yeah. I felt like it was almost intrusive how much it would it would attempt to convey the emotional moments. Like you're supposed to be angry because the music sounds angry. Right. You're supposed to be sad because the music is sad. And I just kind of wanted to be, le- you know, if the movie is just going to convey uh, emotions and, and character pieces and silences, leave me the silence. L- let me in- l- let me find those pieces. I-, I was having a conversation with this author, Do you think maybe Frank Portman, who wrote this yeah. this book, King Dork, uh, mm-hmm. and, oh, and Andromeda Klein, and mm-hmm. and we were having to talk about sincerity because I was talking about singledom and, and how I felt I missed a lot of the sincerity and the little pieces in singledom. And I feel like, as a writer or an artist, the best way to to bring sincerity to your audience, you know, because you because you've seen these projects where people just try and be so earnest with the emotions, and all it does is really make the word us, the word contrived comes up. Yeah, a lot. it just makes us, it just makes us <laughs> laugh at them. Yeah, you know, uh, and you've seen this shit in film school. And yeah, and to me, what I what I was talking to Frank about was. Um, I feel like the best thing an artist can do to try and convey an emotion or sincerity is to bring it halfway 
and then let the audience find it. But yeah, let yeah. Let the audience the find it because they're mm-hmm. going to bring whatever they have to it. Yep. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the that's the best thing. Uh, making it obvious with music, I felt. Well, maybe, and maybe I'll, I, I uh, felt kind of kind of I'll, detached uh, me, if anything. Uh, I'll kind of make a. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but after you guys saying that, this made me think of it. Maybe the musical choices were to um, emphasize the fact that children are not subtle. Mm-hmm. That they are right on the nose with what they feel and what they're doing, but maybe or maybe not. I mean, <laughs> this conversation alone makes the film more interesting to me. But I have in the back of my mind that feeling of still sitting in the arc light next to Brian Gilmore and checking your watch <laughs> and going, "Oh, oh man, this movie." But I was enjoying it the whole time. That's the thing. I wasn't bored. I just didn't walk away with anything new. Right. It was it was a it was a moment of silence uh, across the board as the lights came up on that audience. Yeah, no, same same when we thing. saw it too. Leonard we, Malton was there. Yeah, um, guys, if you want a, a movie that is just action all the way through and laughs, uh, this next movie I'm going to recommend that opened in limited release this past weekend, Black Dynamite, Michael J. White. This dude, I'll tell you right now, we all know him as Spawn. Yeah, yeah. He had a deleted scene in Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, we know him as getting a pencil through his eye in Dark Knight when the Joker throws him down on the table. Oh, I that was Michael that, J. Yeah, that, that was, was Michael him. J. White. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he mm-hmm. stars as this dude, Black Dynamite, in this '70s black exploitation parody movie. I heard it's good. I haven't seen it yet. The movie is a shitload of fun. It's probably going to be somewhere on, if not my top five of the year, my top ten. And people may think I'm crazy. But I think one of my favorite comedies is also uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. And I love kung fu movies. Right. And I love black exploitation movies. And this movie is exactly that. It is a exploitation comedy with tons of kung fu. And as funny as it is, it has very limited slow parts where you're like, okay, the jokes aren't hitting. There's one or two scenes where you're like, okay, joke's either old or just not enough. Um, or too obvious. The one-liners that he delivers are amazing. And you know what? More than his performance in Kill Bill, more than his different fight movies that we've seen him do, Universal Soldier 2, The Return, this movie, more than anything, really conveys how good of a martial artist and a stunt guy Michael J. White is. I mean, the, f- a ton of voices, the fights yeah. in this movie, even though it's a comedy, the fights in this movie are actually impressive. The oh, physicality cool. of, how much, uh, of how much kung fu is in this movie, it's not like they were like, oh, we're making a comedy, let's just... Let's just keep it for comedy's sake. Right. They put a lot of really good kung fu in this movie. Like kung fu hustle kind of stuff. It was funny, fun. But it was really good. Yeah, n- not effects, too. not effects laden like kung fu hustle, right. which I like in the same way you like like a like a like a Chuck Jones cartoon. Right, right. But right. Uh, but just cool kicking and hitting and punching and choreography. It was all it was all just working. And then he finishes with a badass like one liner. Ki- I like know? kicking, hitting, and punching in my. It kung was fu. hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny too is is James Lou, my sensei from uh, When Ninjas Attack, was in this. Towards yeah. the end of the movie, I was in a press screening about a month ago, uh, and you know the movie was I could tell it was almost over, and there's this part where they have to go to Kung Fu Island or something like that or something <laughs> Asian, and uh, and he and his buddies start getting picked off by throwing mm-hmm. stars and darts and stuff like that. And I look up and it's James Lou from When Ninjas Attack throwing them. And then they look up and the master of Kung Fu Island standing there with like his entire posse of bad guys. And there's one of the guys named Will who played a ninja in When Ninjas Attack is one of them. And the other one is Simon Ree whose dojo we shot in who played... Oh, cool. Yeah, he played Dehan in freaking Best of the Best 2. <laughs> and, and, and now that I've been friends with these guys, I was like, holy shit, they're in the movie. This is fun. Um, but guys, if you guys just want a fun movie, it can be a rental, so don't sweat. Go in and see it in the theater. If you just, it, it's a pretty good, fun gauntlet movie. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be a gauntlet yeah, movie. Yeah, I know so. exactly what you're talking about. What was that? You guys will enjoy it. Uh, what was Bruce Lee's best movie? Was on an island. Kung yeah, Fu Island. I mean, was, I mean, uh, it wasn't the, called Kung Fu uh, Island. Enter the Dragon. Yeah, Enter the Dragon. I mean, Enter... <laughs> it was either Kung Fu Island. Yeah, but, or... but I mean, but I mean, with with, with 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 Jim Kelly, there was a sense of exploitation in that too. I mean, Jim Kelly oh, yeah, was totally. like, bullshit, Mister Handman, yeah. you come yeah. right out of a comic yeah. book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, well, let's tap into that market. Wow, we're tapping into this. Oh, other I mean, uh, Jim yeah. Kelly, John Saxon, who yeah, I think is yeah. a fucking badass, mm-hmm. isn't that? Um, yeah, the. Um, Bruce Lee, you know, the End of the Dragon, I think was 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 like the Americanized version. That would be like, that would be like John Woo then doing to do Hard Boiled to try and get, you know, that was like I'm arriving on the Hollywood scene. Right, right. You know what I mean? My next movie will be for Hollywood. Right. And then, you know, then he had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Game of Death, 
he died. Yeah. You know, so I can see that. But but you know what? Michael J. White's a fucking talent. You can tell in this movie, yeah. Black Dynamite. I would love to see him in new stuff with personality himself because he's funny as shit in this movie. Well, yeah, he's been doing cartoons for years. Like really? voices. Oh yeah, I think he's he's done a lot of You're stuff. You're a big cartoon guy. What, what, I recommend some stuff. I, well, a lot of superhero stuff. I think he does. Oh, the, okay. Right now, the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the new Spider-Man is really good, and I couldn't find it for a while until one of your friends told me uh-huh. it was actually on Disney Channel now because Disney bought Marvel, so some of that oh. stuff is actually showing up now Already? on Disney Channel. But okay, it's kind of cool. To the point where it's not like the seasons aren't even being shown on Warner Brothers anymore. Wow, like they're new Spider-Man episodes, but they're is on that Disney new spectacular Channel. Spider-Man? Yeah, it's actually I I didn't like it at first because I thought the animation and character designs were really weird. But the writing is really true to like the young new Spider-Man. It's actually it's pretty good. Uh, the new Batman is good. The uh, Brave and the Bold. And Cartoon oh yeah, Network. that looks cool. That one's good. Do you think mm-hmm. Batman's too campy? No, that? that's what I like about it. Like it, it brightens the whole Batman franchise because there okay. were so many darker Batman shows and stuff, and this is just like a fun, campy uh, thing. But it's very self-aware, which is right. Like you know, the, the you know, uh, there was one uh, villain. It was like uh, the guy that played Hank, Jeffrey uh-huh. Tambor. And uh, he just looks at the camera once and goes, very well. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's really and, funny. And do, you, do you think you only like that lighter version because now you're a father and author of Pacify Me? Well, a handbook it's, for the free it's certainly easier death. to watch with children. And I don't have to wait until they're in bed. But then what I do is, after they're in bed, then I rent the Warner Brothers, the new ones, like uh, Public Enemies. Oh, Batman cool. and Superman, which was, it was pretty good. Um, well, guys... Uh, let's get into a little bit into the news. Uh, we all know that Marvel is still pumping out the movies. Uh, Thor is going into production pretty soon, and they're still lining up the cast members. There's a rumor that Jude Law and Robert De Niro may join the cast, maybe as members of the Warriors Three. I'd be surprised if uh, Robert De Niro, but Jude Law, I could probably see. Kenneth Branagh though is the director, and oh, they really? have a relationship. Kenneth Branagh really is directing Thor. I did not know that. So he might bring a certain aplomb. That he might, he might. Get, like, this is a gets, different kind of superhero right. movie, you know, that kind of thing. I think Iron Man changed the landscape. As great, as, I mean, Dark Knight probably changed a little bit of the landscape too. But people started being like, you know what, we could be in this movie in the same summer. Right. <laughs> I think changed a lot of changed things. the landscape. Yeah. Speaking of uh, actors possibly joining superhero franchises, uh, there's a rumor now with the tax incentives and all that that Green Lantern's going to start shooting maybe in March in uh, Louisiana. And we know that we have ourselves a Green Lantern, right? We got the Ryan Reynolds. But who's going to play Sinestro, the arch nemesis? Jackie Earl Haley? Is that that's a possible rumor? That's the rumor. What, what do you guys think of that? Let us know on the Geekscape forums. Um, and there is going to be a Green Lantern core. So it is actually yeah. going to be the whole core, which should be yeah. cool. I still think that our very own Ben Dunn should play Kilowog. I think that's that. You... You, Gilmore, would play Larflees. How about that girl that uh, hit on you last night? Could she play Kilowog? Oh, dude, I didn't even tell you guys. We were at this web event last night talking about some of the new stuff we made. <laughs> the web TV event? It was, it, it was web you TV. handed out a lot of cards. I did hand out a lot of cards. Why wouldn't I hand out a lot of cards? We're there in a network. And... Okay, so, so we're at this web TV event where I hand out a lot of cards. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with it. And uh, Nar, Nar and I are and Gilmore are shooting out pretty good ideas for... Things that we may offer on the new site uh, And I'm talking to people from 15 gigs People who did ninjas and singled them And I'm talking to them And I kind of lo- lost you guys You and Nar I walk over And Ahmad And you Oh yeah Ahmad at Crave Online uh, I walk over and I find you And you are sitting there With two women And I'm like wow This is Gilmore in rare form And I do mean <laughs> fucking rare And one of them is just How would you describe this girl's actions on you Gilmore <laughs> Oh, she was almost assaulting you, right? Wow. Like she was, she was tugging Impressive. on you. Um, it, and I was like, man, this is awesome. If she hadn't looked like Lance Kennison, or or uh, or what you just it? fucked, I fucked it up. The joke. You if she didn't look up. like uh, Sam Kennison, yeah. I was like, I was like, Gilmore, you should take a picture with Sam Kennison. And he's like, what? You're looking around. You're like, what? What? And I go, right fucking next to you, dude. And he looks over and goes, oh my god, you're so right. And then he spent the better part of today on I Am trying to convince me. No, she was cute. No, dude, she she's looks totally like Sam Kennison. No, she's not. She's a good person. <laughs> Sam Kennison used to be a what? A priest? Wasn't Sam Kennison? Uh, he, he was a preacher. Yeah, he was a preacher. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Gilmore. Then he started doing sodomy jokes. Like, if anybody has ever been com- compared to Sam Kennison in their entire life, they can never be called cute again. In God, any, that in sucks any, so no. bad. Yeah, because I mean, I know. 
You're it's hung- because you're that hungry. just kind of breaks. You, the you are a hungry heart. No, no, that just kind of bre- <laughs> that just kind of breaks the Everybody's glass, got one. though, doesn't it? What do you? Like, ooh. dude, she broke the glass. She escaced. Whatever like, the fuck ever... facility she was in. <laughs> no, she's she's actually very cute. But like, it sucks. That Are you friends you with her like on Facebook now? Or something? No, but it uh, <laughs> it sucks that uh, when someone points something out like that, like it's over. Like, yes, like she Stephen looks like Sam Ma- like, like Stephen Modern Boy when we pointed out that he looks like Paul Rubens. It sticks right here. Uh, it's always it? it's there. there. Yeah, Paul Rubens is or maybe right. No, here. I don't know if Stephen looks like Paul Rubens. I would say Ian Kerner looks like Paul Rudd. No way. No? No. Okay, I would say... Ian's face is really narrow, like a raptor's. <laughs> okay, I would say that that you're right in but that, in that you, guy you, who's always running into wait, us at events. Wait, you want to be compared like a Gary to Paul Larson, Looking like a Gary Larson drawing. Oh, uh, I can imagine <laughs> that MIT kid now. Yeah, and then I would say that this chick looked like Sam Kinison last and night. And that sucks. It was that's, on your jock. That's a break the glass. What? Laura's giving, me a disappro- Laura's giving me a disapproving look. That's a break the glass resemblance that you just can't come back from. But you're trying to put the glass back together all day. You're like, no, she was, she was cute, right? No, she was cute. I was like, no, 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 because I was first- like, I was like, whatever you need to do to justify the rub out you did last night to her memory, <laughs> <laughs> to, to to her scent. <laughs> Laura's yelling at me to shut what up. What did she say? She's yelling, Jonathan, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like, hey, you had to fight through the image of Sam Kevinson last night just to lay a splash. <laughs> Fuck you, London. As, I love that that's what you think. <laughs> London, you curse my one fucking <laughs> daily vacation from I my I think existence. we should plug my book again. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a good time to get people on board your book. So Guys, what's the next movie? So Gilmore was acting like a creep last night. How funny that we happened to, at Comic-Con, interview Fred Decker. You guys know him as the director of Monster Squad, but he also directed a movie called Night of the Creeps. Uh, you know this with the little slugs and the kid from uh, Vacation? Remember that was the son from, from the second Vacation movie, or European Vacation? I don't think I saw Night of the Creeps, but he's, yeah, I know who you're talking about. These little slimy slug things, uh, it's like Slither. Uh, Night of the Creeps, Fred Decker's movie, is out on DVD. Uh, I think it's out on DVD later this week uh, Or next week and um, Or this coming week It's, it's going to be out on DVD Pick it up, it's got like a special edition It's got the original be- uh, like beginning of the movie um, So if you guys are big into like Night of the Creeps or horror movies Especially going into Halloween Pick it up, here's William Biviani at Comic Con Interviewing Fred Decker For all of you Hello everybody, my name is William Biviani And I am here with Fred King Badass Decker here promoting the upcoming DVD release of Night of the Creeps. How you doing, Fred? I'm great. I didn't know I was King Badass, but... Oh, well, we all did. Okay, well, cool. We all did. So, uh, Night of the Creeps, 80s classic, never before available on DVD. That's I've right. had trouble tracking down the Laserdisc, finally coming out, DVD and Blu-ray? Yes. That is a fantastic and wonderful thing. Have you ever seen the transfer yourself? I actually supervised it, and we uh, had the world premiere in uh, Austin, Texas at the Alamo Ritz, and it looks fantastic. That, that is fantastic. We're all really excited about that. You have had a really incredible couple of years. Every year lately, another one of your films sees a new resurgence, gets a brand new DVD. I, w- I wish yeah. I had made more movies in the 80s that nobody right. saw back then. And I know. I, I, it's weird because you know we had Monster Squad last year. We have Night of the Creeps this year. Next year, I assume Robocop 3 will uh, start screening all over the country. <laughs> your lips to God's ears. Actually, the one I want to see is you did the story for License to... Uh, no, If Looks Could Kill. If Looks Could Kill, yeah. Yeah, is there any word on that? I love that movie. It's a classic, hardly anyone uh, under 35 yeah. seems to know it anymore. I, that kind of kind of was out of my hands, but uh, I have some affection for its uh, origins. Okay, that's 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 absolutely great. Is this uh, do, you, do you get a lot of uh, a lot of love here at Comic Con? Oh new? man, it's yeah. awesome! It's absolutely great. That's great. We were talking uh, uh, just now about Monster Squad. Right. How much we all love Monster Squad. We have regular Thank screenings you. of Monster Squad for our friends. Try to introduce everyone to the to the joy Thank and wonder. You. Yeah. That that is Monster Squad. <laughs> Um, and we were talking about how you, and here's something I think a lot of filmmakers in your position who make sim- movies similar to yours uh, are neglecting. A lot of people are making these kinds of horror thrillers, comedies uh, for a specific demographic. Yes. They're making them like Monster House, that's for kids. They're, they're making uh, Slither, that's for adults. You make movies for audiences. 
Well, thank you for saying that. I, I love think that. It's, I, well, you know, movies now more than they used to be are run sort of by the marketing department. Absolutely. And in the back in the day when Shane Black and I wrote the Monster Squad, we just wanted to do a rip roaring yarn. Yeah. And uh, th thanks to Keith Barish and uh, TriStar and all those and Rob Cohen, who was one of the producers, they said go and do it. And uh, we never really thought thought about was it politically incorrect? Was you know who was the audience? It was just you know anybody who would like it. Absolutely. And that's the thing that really stands out about uh, Night of the Creeps too is that there is something for everyone in that movie. It is fundamentally it's so much about character Thank a you. lot of it is you, you're introduced to this cast of teenagers and unlike most teenagers in horror movies who were just like oh god when are they going to kill these guys <laughs> we, we hate these guys yeah. what the hell yeah. I, I loved every single one even even the jerk I kind of felt bad for when he's calling his girlfriend trying to get back together right he's, he's like, drunk yeah. he's, he's, he's hurt he's <laughs> capable of being hurt as a human being and yeah. that's something that I think we're, we're losing here what is it, is there a secret to that or, or, or I think I think the secret is just to take it seriously I think too many filmmakers when they're doing something that has maybe its tongue in its cheek or that there's some humor they, they think they can just sort of take off the gloves and do anything and I think that you have to have a character base you have to believe these people so that you care about them so that you haven't wasted your time and money yeah but the thing is the character Characters themselves are also funny. Yes, it's not the movie is funny, but the characters are funny. I think they're they're human beings doing things that are that are human and recognizable, well, and we we like that. I, I hope so. I mean, I really you know I had a lot of great friends when I was young, still do, and I like I, I was trying to sort of capture in both of these movies what it's like to have friends and how you have in jokes with each other and how you yeah. you, you know you, you talk you crack wise and all right. that. Well, I believed the college roommates in this as opposed to most. I mean, I didn't even believe the college roommates in Sideways. Right. I was like, why, why do these people hang out together? These guys have a bond. It's beautiful. Question, uh, I've, I've, I've always wondered, um, did, what, did you know someone who, whenever they went to work, whenever they, they came to a task, they just said, thrill me? Uh, I have to be honest. I don't know where it came from. You know As came a writer, things just sort of fall into your head like gumballs. That was, and that was actually the very first thing that I came up with for this movie was that line. Yeah. And, I, and I created the character around the line, and I created the movie around the character. Really? So Creeps came after Thrill Me? Yeah. So that, that, that movie could have gone anywhere. Yeah, I, I just knew that I was going to have a, a tough cop and that he was going to have to investigate something, and, and right. it ended up being this crazy movie. Did you have any, was there any uh, 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 hesitation on the part of the, the producer of the studio in doing so much of the early part of the film in black and white or with Alien with, with subtitle? No, actually. Really? No. I, you I, know, would have thought, considering how, how surprising that is. I showed this movie to people, and they're like, really? Neat. <laughs> You know, the 80s was a very free time uh, yeah. in, in the movie business. And, yeah. uh, I, you know. Was I'm, there anything you, you wanted to do and you couldn't? Budgetary, uh, creative? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because, in so fact, in fact, the theatrical version of the movie has an ending that I was never crazy about. Is that the one with the dog? Yes. Okay. That was a compromise that I've always hated. And when Sony came to me and said, we want to do a DVD Blu ray of this movie and remaster it and all the bells and whistles. One of the things I said right off the bat was, can I put the original ending back on? Yeah. And to their credit, they let me do it. Was the original ending well-preserved? Was that on, like, on a VHS in your, in your closet? It or? actually is not up to snuff with the, rest, with the quality of the rest of the picture, which okay. was taken from an IP. But it's good right. enough that unless you know it's coming, you won't know it's coming. And I think from a story, point, from, mm -hmm. from story standpoint and as a filmmaker, it's night and day. This ending is so much better. Because I've never seen the ending of which you speak. Ah. And I am well, excited. Enjoy. <laughs> I, I, I think I will. I think I will. I think we're all, uh, we're all really happy to... Uh, to have you back with us. Do you have anything planned? We have Monster Squad. I, I, we had a, you had a screening of Monster Squad at New Beverly not too long ago, yes. maybe, maybe last year. And me and a friend of mine, we basically bombarded you with Monster Squad sequel ideas. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, the next generation of Monster Squad, when the portal opens up in the future. Right. The Monster Squad has to go back in time yeah. because there are no more monsters anymore. Well, well, it's funny that, that we're talking here at Comic-Con because I am noodling a graphic novel sequel, okay. a follow-up, which would be the movie that nobody would let me make. Right, which right. Which is a little dark, and it's it's basically the idea is to do a to, is to do a story for the people who love the movie right. and who have grown up with the movie, mm -hmm. so it's a slightly more grown-up version How of the story. How far does noodling take you? Is, is that an outline? Do you have a script handy? Are you looking for artists? Uh, I actually have an artist in mind, okay. and, and it's really a matter of doing a presentation and getting one of the uh, publishers to say, okay, we'll back this. And, well, of course, getting the rights from uh, whoever owns them now. I think it's Paramount. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, I think your odds are pretty good. I think everyone here would want to see it. I think if anyone could hear us over the, uh, the Frightful Din, I think they'd all be screaming, Yay, Monster Squad. Yeah. So thank you very much. We love you. Thanks, buddy. We love Monster Squad. We love Night of the Creeps. And we look forward right. to the DVD. October 20th. Woo! During the break, Gilmore just posed the question, does Bibiani look like anybody? Um, you have pictures of these so I could comment on them? William Bibiani. Um, Wait, well, it's kind of like long hair. 
he's a little heavier. He's got a goatee. He's like oh, a, did, he's was, like he, a, was he at Long Beach? He was. He was with me at Long Beach. Oh, okay. That first night. Yeah. Laura says we need to keep the topic and stop looking, talking like girls about who looks like who. She's kind of right. It's totally gay. <laughs> it's totally gay. Like, I keep coming back what? because I'm like, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the audience appreciates uh, the fact that Gilmore was hit on by Sam Kennison looked like girl. <laughs> Listen, Ray Romano. Oh, she just called me Ray Romano. She sleeps with Ray Romano. Oh, that sucks for Laura. Laura, you see. Laura, Laura, oh, come on. Laura, Laura is, uh, you, you can't win this one because you throw insults at me and it's like, you, that's what you're with. What am I with since birth? So, guys, comic books. The one thing, speaking of, speaking of Laura and I's sleeping arrangement, back to comics. Let's talk comics. Um, guys, <laughs> Laura, Laura's really injecting herself into this geekscape. She's yelling yay in the background. Uh, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. You guys remember when I recommended the Superman run that Jeff Johns was writing and Gary Franks was doing the artwork on. Uh, just as good. Um, remember that I was I was like raving about the Brainiac storyline and the Legion of Superheroes storyline that they that were doing. It was the best thing ever. It was the best thing ever. Uh, they're now doing Superman Secret Origin, which is basically Laura. I had her read it, and she's like, this is just like Smallville in a comic. Yeah, but Pete's white. As Gilmore says, the way it should be. Um, we actually have Pete on this episode. We do? For an upcoming episode. Upcoming episode? Did you guys interview Pete at Scream Awards? Yep, we interviewed Product Placement Pete. Why do you call him that? Uh, because almost every single episode, they had some weird way that the Pete character would do some weird product placement. And the in Smallville? Yeah, and the episode in which he comes back after he's gone for seasons. Yeah, I remember. They... Um, it, he has some weird um, meteorite or, you know, kryptonite powers given to him by a pack of Stride gum. That's a show that was on TV? Yep. That people paid their mortgages with? Yep. <laughs> oh, that's retarded. Yep. Wow. Um, yep. Guys, if you think that's as moronic as I do, Superman, Secret Origin, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, you know it's going to be good. And, and yeah, it's basically a young it's a Clark series? Kent. What is it? Yeah, it's going to be first of six. This is the first oh, issue cool. of six. So, I enjoyed that. I look forward to picking up the graphic novel when it's all done. Well, now, you're a big graphic novel guy, and you're reading BPRD. Love BPRD. In graphic novel. Two weeks ago, yes. we got to interview Josh Dysart, who was doing mm-hmm. the uh, the writing on this series from with Mike Wignola. Gabriel Ba, who you guys know from Umbrella Academy, uh, is doing the artwork. And the BPRD 1940s books kind of, which you wrote, I think you read like 1941, 1942 through 43, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. In trade, 47 is a little bit later. It just talks about like the really young BPRD. Hellboy's like a little baby in this. Well, what's the one after 41? Isn't it like Black Goddess or something? The the thing with Black Goddess is, uh, is that's current day BPRD. Oh, okay. So this is That's Abe Sapien and Liz Sherman and those people. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1940s ones are the ones that say, "Okay, this is this is the BPRD, BPRD, right. BPRD. This is a BPRD, and it's like earliest." You know what I like about these two is uh, it's very rare to see this in comic books, but 1941, it, it like creeped me out. Is it 41 or 42, 43? Something it's like that. Yeah, it's, it's 41 or 42. It, yeah, one of those. It's, it's got Hitler like it was like creating vampires yeah, in I, tubes and, and stuff. And like it, it like there's just certain panels. The artwork is so good. The writing's so good. You're like, oh, it's like watch. It's like reading a horror movie. It's the person really who good. did that book was a guy named Paul Azateca, and he, Sam ran into him at Comic-Con this past year and busted his balls, but uh, he did this really good book called Grounded with a writer called Mark Sable, and it was about mm-hmm. a kid in, uh, in high school who didn't have powers. Or maybe he did and everybody else did, but it was a really good high school superhero story. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in the, Paul's artwork is really moody. I really liked this run that he did. He did this thing, uh, it was Punisher and... What was the name of the kind of Punisher light of the of the Marvel Universe who does like the West Coast? Um, he did a team up. It was uh, Joy Killer and Punisher like teaming up to take out white supremacists. And, oh, and similar to Paul's artwork, mm-hmm. Gabriel Bach kind of works with those same kind of negatives. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And strong line art right, and, right. And, and definition. So 
this one also has that kind of moodiness where there mm-hmm. are panels that are kind of magnolia like the deep blacks sure and you got to see vampire skeletons and right. creepy monkey things mm-hmm. and um now what what's the deal it is cool what's the deal too with like magnolia like uh does he have a set schedule for new hellboy stories because they come out so infrequently is well, there What's well, the schedule it, on them? We, uh, two weekends ago, you guys know this, we had him at the West Hollywood Book Fair. We ran an interview with him, and mm-hmm. he said that he does have a plan for everything, but he's starting to learn, he's starting to enjoy collaboration more, and he's just getting them out as frequently as he can. I mean, he has the the uh, the series that he's been doing. Um, he do, he still does the Hellboy book, and the Hellboy and BPRD books are going to come back together. Oh, they are? Oh, okay. Sooner or later. Oh, he cool. has a plan for all that, but... Uh, like Guy Davis and John Arcudi, who works with on regular BPRD, sure, sure. that book kicks ass. Yeah, I think maybe he's just having fun with it. I don't know. He lives in Manhattan Beach. We can just go ask. Yeah, him. we should <laughs> come on. You know, just you know, we're not bugging you. you we know? just want to know: is are we going to see more Hellboy books? Yeah, I mean the the the, the, the core Hellboy book right now is uh, Duncan Fregretto is doing the artwork, and it looks like a little bit of a softer Mark Mignola style. I think it's awesome, and mm-hmm. uh, and right now Hellboy's Realizing that he may be the descendant of Morgan Le Fay, the devil, and all mm-hmm. this like uh, King, Ar- like this Athorian legend. It's kind of like putting Hellboy in the Athorian legend timeline, right. mm-hmm. and he's he's finding out in this crumbling castle in England that there, yeah, the that, last, that last hell is going to great. erupt. Yeah, and um, that one it, it's it's Hellboy: The Wild Hunt, and I think it's on its second to last issue. So you're going to get it. In trade pretty soon Right You guys like <laughs> yes. that stuff um, Pre-ordered on Amazon Then I don't of, have to worry about it Speaking of trades are Do you read the criminal stuff That No <laughs> Ed Brubaker And Sean Phillips Are the guys who uh, They've been working as a team For a very long time mm-hmm. uh, What was that What was the really Sleeper. Big, Sleeper Sleeper was a cool book That they mm-hmm. actually did For like Wildstorm And it spun out of like The Wildstorm universe And it was probably the best thing The Wildstorm universe Produced in that time mm-hmm. Sleeper was an icon what? Sleeper was an icon? Icon's Marvel's creative imprint. Uh, Wildstorm, it, it literally came out of like a Jim Lee book or one of those image books. And it was about a character who, uh, who remember like Deathblow and all those like badass army dudes from like right the image universe? It was like one of those guys. And he got his own book called Sleeper about a sleeper agent in a superhero criminal underworld. Oh, wow. And that was, that was, that was awesome. He and Sean Phillips, oh, I, I can put that back. He and Sean Phillips joined. Uh, th- this is like the icon is the Marvel independent publishing imprint. That's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a the edgier one. Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. like what DC has in Vertigo. Right. And um, without the Sandman. And what they're doing is they're basically <laughs> doing pulp books, mm-hmm. like those old pulp, pulp novels from before our time. Like Mike Bryan, Michael Bendis kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're doing mm-hmm. them, but they're doing them so well. I think Ed mm-hmm. Brubaker, like this is really where he's 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 at his best. The original Criminal books. Have like three storylines in, in trade that you can pick up. He also did this issue, this thing called Incognito, kind of be after that, where it's about a supervillain who's in a witness protection program. Oh, cool! His powers are completely like dampened, mm-hmm. and he starts to find it out that if he smokes weed, his powers are starting to come back. But why use them oh, for funny. evil? Let's use them for good. The problem is that really helps the guys who are still after him. You know, find him, and now he he realizes, you know what, the bad guys are after me because of what I know. I'm in this protection. I helped lock up the big guy. You know, I kind of have to become a hero. And Incognito is fantastic. They came back to Criminal with this one called The Sinners, which picks up the story of Tracy Lawless, who was one of the characters in the original Criminal, who was one of the like more popular characters, and picks up where they left off there. And again, you know, it's going to have a guy. Trying to pull a heist or some kind of thing, <laughs> and he's gonna meet a woman, who's and it's gonna go awry. Everything's gonna not go as planned, <laughs> and it, the twists and turns are so well written when these guys are are, are doing it together. Uh, last comic, speaking of writing, Matt Fraction has been doing these Uncanny X Men. He's been doing the Uncanny X Men books by himself. Uh, he's been writing them, and oh. Greg Greg Land's been doing the artwork. Just him. You know Greg Land because you love the women that he draws. And I like Fraction's writing. I'm not down with what's going on in the X books. What? What's what is? You don't know what's going on in the X books. No the X Men moved to San Francisco, right? And the anti mutant like hate groups came to San Francisco. They followed them there. They ruined shit. Norman Osborn and the Dark Avengers. They came and they're ruining shit. And everybody's blaming the X Men because whenever anything goes bad in the Marvel books, 
They blame the mutants, right? Mm -hmm. So what Cyclops has done, Cyclops taken more of like a proactive approach to uh, to being the leader of the X-Men in the, in the mutant nation. So he's sort of the in-between of what Charles Xavier and, and Magneto wanted to do with, with mutants. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to send some mutants to the bottom of the ocean to bring up Asteroid M, which is where Magneto had a lot of mutants when he was in charge. It was literally a fucking asteroid. It was retarded. But it was a base? During, during the 90s, yeah. During the 90s, Magneto had a bunch of mutants on like an asteroid hanging but, out. Wait, wait. And it was like a, a base. base in an asteroid under the ocean. Well, no, no. It sank into the ocean. Okay. <laughs> Cyclops raised it. That's what it sounded like yeah, to yeah. me, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This asteroid sank into the ocean. Uh-huh. Cyclops in the storyline gets people to raise it out of the damn ocean, mm-hmm. make it into an island off the coast of San Francisco, which I think is pretty convenient. Right, right. And uh, all the mutants are living there in a place called Utopia. Mm-hmm. And Mutopia. And 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 I knew that I wasn't. <laughs> I, I knew I wasn't gonna like where this was heading. When in the last issue, the the splash panel at the end, the big big cliffhanger was Magneto showing up, floating over the island, going, "I love what you did with the place." <laughs> and I was like, "Really? You got to bring that fucking guy back? You can't have like." Bring us some new villains You know what I mean Like bring us some new villains I don't want to see Another damn Sentinel I don't want to see Another Magneto Versus you know, Like I want to see The X-Men Evolve Evolve mm-hmm. Which is I mean aren't they An evolution in and of Themselves Like <laughs> I want to see Something move On these books And Well they did They moved to San Francisco Yeah yeah. <laughs> come on <laughs> On top of that I like Greg Land. I mean, put him in Philly. It, it, Land's artwork. I mean, yeah, he, move he, him really somewhere where it's dangerous. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he's he's drawing these beautiful women, but the one thing is, I can't ever take his like villainous is like like seriously because he always puts them in the same poses where it's like. <laughs> and I'm like Greg Land. I know you're just looking at a fucking jerk off rag or like some kind of like like underwear. Why are magazine. all the villainous yeah. always what, hanging like, out on couches? Like you know? none of them look like they're in about to. Pose. None of them look like they're about to do anything <laughs> dangerous or menacing, and uh, like. Really with that, and I can't. I just can't take his villains, like his female villains, seriously anymore. I or his I'm getting the vapors. Yeah. <laughs> Before I kill you, I'm gonna pose sexually, yeah. enticingly. It's like, oh come on now, really? I'm supposed to respect you? It's hard enough respect. Wow! I'm kidding. I'm oh, that's kidding gonna be edited more. out. Wow! No, nothing gets edited <laughs> out. Nothing gets edited out. Wow. Uh, I told you you're here for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna die here. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's ladies' night at your apartment, at your house. <laughs> I mean, your daughter's four. Four. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what? my son is uh, thirteen. Oh, months. you have a son? Are you yeah. excited to have a son? I am. I got the full set now. <laughs> I have a full set That's yeah. great um, <laughs> Not even because it's a son But just the completest yeah. Yeah. In every geek You know I try to keep them In the packages <laughs> That's hilarious I was thinking about it I was thinking about it That's hilarious So But it's you know It's hard to play video games I know we're getting A Just Bought Brutal Legend I was uh, able to spin it For an hour You know Enjoying it immensely Yeah uh, Brutal Legend was In Uncharted 2 Were the big releases For last week And uh, I got Brutal Legend myself What did you think of it? I know you only got to play I've it only got hour. about an hour And you know what? I'm enjoying it uh, It's actually Here's something that's never works in video games Humor mm-hmm. Most video games are not funny Right there are, A few people can pull it off Monkey Island Very funny Amazing Great and You this guys is the know same, how much Monkey Island And this is, is the same me. creator And uh, he pulled it off again yeah. So far I, I'm laughing out loud This is a funny game And it's uh can't really tell much on the gameplay because I've only just kind of started, mm-hmm. but it seems fun. Uh, it looks great, and I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, the 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 game, uh, although it's a lot of fun, I'm hearing that it's pretty short. But then again, with with the schedule we've been keeping, it's hard for me to uh, play it for longer than like 20, 30 minutes. Once you have kids, short is good. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, playing the short is good. I've been playing the Persona games, Persona Four. You're way into that. I'm, I'm into. Yeah, I, I got through Persona Three. Love Persona Three. They're great games. You mm-hmm. know, you're you play high school. And those kids, are RPGs. And I will, I, I will, love I will, RPGs. I will steer clear of RPGs because I know how time intensive they are. They are, and you know what? It's uh, the, it, they're time intensive, but uh, they're cost efficient because you have one game that you're playing for. Four to six months Right right. <laughs> and, and, and the Persona games Like It, it always reminded Like remember that old uh, Super Nintendo game That never got released uh, In the States Or did 
what was it mother and it was like you're a kid oh, earthbound or in earthbound yeah, yeah you're never like played a kid mm-hmm. and you're hanging out in your neighborhood and that never got me excited to play an rpg i'm an old kid who loved dragon warriors his first loved rpg the, the ultimate games love those exactly. and i was and i was a little skeptical when i picked it up but that's I what i the thinking. good reviews and it's fantastic did you start it with persona 3 persona 3 start okay. with persona 3 and you know you're a high school kid you go to classes and uh <laughs> It's so insane. It, they're the most insane games I've ever played. You go classes, you can choose who you hang out with, you can go on dates, and at night, you go into a dungeon and fight monsters, Wait, and what? you bring out your persona, and the way you do that is you shoot yourself in the head. Wait, what? That's the game. And as you progress, you uh, date other members of your team, and then you try to have sex with a robot. So it's an insane Japanese RPG. Are there robot titties great. in the game? It's, uh, they're they're robot, robot titties? They're <laughs> They the don't actually titties? see anything oh. that okay. But I mean I it gets it gets really insane To the point where it's like you know the Japanese Artists when they're drawing the monsters Because they have like the splash pages Yeah they're done they're really off. Oh my god it's beyond that Like and you get the farther up levels There's one monster that's a giant Penis with tentacles get On the, a cart get I, the swear fuck out of here with that. Yeah, I swear In to Persona god 3? In Persona 3 Yeah and how about this Persona 4? Yeah, <laughs> Persona 4. Yeah. Uh, uh, have not gotten as far onto that yet, but it's the same kind of concept. You go, you go to school during the day, you fight monsters at night, but you use cards now. You don't shoot yourself in the head anymore. And how important but, is uh, the day stuff? Because that seems kind of lame. It's actually really important. The way they incorporate it is um, you create social links. So everyone you uh, talk to during the day, it helps you fight monsters at night. So how? it all relates in. What happens is, like, if you get to know one person more, they have a certain arcana, which is a certain type of monster. And then when you have that monster while you're fighting the other monsters, that monster levels up much quicker. And There's a little bit stronger. of Pokemon type stuff going it on. It kind of is, yeah. A little bit of Pokemon, a little bit of uh, uh, dating sim. I remember I was playing it and my a dating my, sim. Uh, a little bit because you're you're yeah. dating that members of your team. My, my <laughs> wife is watching me play. And she goes, "This is boring," and I'm like, "You know what? That's the point. I'm so tired sometimes at night." I want to play a game where there's not a lot of pressure. Sometimes you want to play a video game and just kind of walk around and shop. <laughs> go to a couple classes, so is, save the game, and is, go. To is bed. it like Animal Crossing <laughs> elements in it? It's like you know, you go, you buy, you go to the mall, you right. buy stuff. <laughs> you know, you can raise your stats, and you don't have to go to the dungeon. You know, you can just go there. You know, to progress the story. So right. it's if you want just maybe an hour to hang out. In your virtual world, you I can, can see the appeal of that. Yeah, um, the the brutal legend thing, although it's short, brutal legend does have a lot of side quests like races that you can get involved in. The one thing that the control wise, I think it's fun. Uh, you get spells that are kind of solos that you have to play in a button uh, pattern right. sort of sort of forms, and, and you know like a f- face melting solo, which is like a pretty good move that'll obliterate a ton of people. One to call up your car so you can drive around the levels. I think the car controls are a little loose. Uh, you can pull up things out of this 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 kind of land that you're in. It's sort of this fantastic land built around heavy metal. Land. Heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And you can pull things up out of the ground to learn new spells. Or you can call up um, different like uh, garages. And you go into the depths of hell. And who's there? Ozzy Osbourne. Of course. Who can give you upgrades for your car or for your moves. How awesome is that? That and, all the heavy uh, metal legends are in one game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ronnie James Dio. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, Rob Halford in it. Yep. It is. Uh, I, I, I'm having a lot of fun with the game. Um, the one thing that I think took a lot of people by surprise was how much RTS was in the game. Oh, really? See, I've you I'm haven't, gotten, started, it I haven't gotten to it yet. No. The the major battles against the bad guys' forces are played out like real time strategy, like a like two warring concerts. Oh, okay. You build a huge stage. And you know those little green things in the landscape that are like having fumes coming out of them? Yeah, yeah. And you don't know what to do with them yet? Right. What those do is when there's a battle nearby, fans spew out of there. Oh, fine. And you have okay. to harness them using um, merch tables. So you do a solo called a fan tribute, and your merch table builds up. And the warring bad guys are going to try and destroy your merch table because that's what's feeding you with the currency. The more mm-hmm. fans you have, the more uh, soldiers you can buy. And there's all, you can upgrade soldiers. You can do different versions and so, it's just like podcasting. It's just like podcasting. <laughs> We're coming to get you. Yeah. Um, and they had, they're trying to keep their fans Visit going. The merch table. You're trying to destroy their merch tables <laughs> yeah. and uh, and ultimately take down their stage. Mm-hmm. And that's how the battles are going. Online multiplayer, that's how you're fighting online. It's, oh, cool. it's through these real-time strategy. And I think that caught a lot of people by surprise. It caught me by surprise. I didn't know it until the day of purchase. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's fun. At first, you're going to be like, oh, that kind of sucks. 
That is got real time strategy. But Will Kistler, who was over here earlier today, and we love you from the audience, Will. Uh, he he's beating the game. He's going back and beating it in brutal. He says that the real time strategy actually becomes a lot of fun towards the end of the game. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to beating that game. But there's so much still coming out. I mean, we've got uh, Ballad of Gay Tony for Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it's downloadable, four people. right? I'm, I'm, I love Grand Theft Auto. You can base jump in that game. They've got a tank in it. Uh, and then we got the Left 4 Dead stuff. We got Modern Warfare 2. How, the, how are we going to survive this Christmas? A lot you know? coming out. A lot. Gilmore, what are you looking forward to? I mean... No. <laughs> yeah, I mean... No, no, no. I mean in video games. Oh. Um, uh, Left 4 Dead. Yeah, Left 4 Dead will be really fun. Do you you have the current Left 4 Dead, right? Yeah. Why don't you download that Crash Course so we can play together? I still haven't played that plane level. Everybody e emails me every now and then and goes, You still play that plane level? I'll play with you. If you see me on Xbox Live and I'm playing something like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 or Brutal Legend... Or something like that. Feel free to be like, you know what? Put that down. Let's let's play the plane level in Left for Dead. We'll invite you. We'll invite Jake one away. It'll be just like old times before Dad left. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? We can do a little bit of Left for Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, dads, if you're thinking of running away, know that it gets easier. <laughs> oh yeah. All right? Also, don't need well, to put your kid in a dumpster. If you ever see online, if you ever see me online, oh, if you ever see Gilmore, Doctor Brian Gilmore on Xbox Live, uh, play Firefight with me on ODST. Oh. It's a blast. ODST Firefight, right? Um, so, so guys, you know my my uh, Xbox Live password or uh, ID. It's just Geekscape.net. Do you are you on Xbox Live or you only no, do PS3? Uh, PS3. Okay. Okay, what's your PSN password? I haven't joined PSN yet. But it's free. I know. I'm just very busy. So I will be doing it Why? tomorrow. Yeah. Walking around <laughs> virtual malls. Yes. Uh, I'm busy. Yeah. This game's boring. You're boring. Yeah. I want a divorce. I'm busy. I need to, I need to buy cuttlefish from a yeah. Japanese fake character. So guys, uh, they're models you have to put in your room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th I think that we have definitely determined that you are both a geek and a father. Yeah. <laughs> the book is called Pacify Me, a handbook for the freaked out new dad. It is a it is a geek's book. Let's try to get it on the bestseller list just from being on this podcast. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, you guys can find it everywhere. It has a Kindle version. Simon Schuster puts it out. You so you're gonna find it definitely on Amazon and all that. Yep. Go pick it up, unless you want to send us. Your best memories of being a father or a father to be, uh, I think I know what that memory would be. Uh, send it to us with the subject line "Pacify Me Contest," and we're going to read a couple of those on the show. Send them in; you'll win a copy of these uh, of this little book right here. You're having a baby. That's it. Game over, man. Life as you know it is done. And then he goes into what the book is about. I'm into this, guys. We also have a lot to offer if you're uh, still into the Geekscape after this episode. Uh, t-shirts You know that I've, uh, I'm have i selling the t-shirts On the Geekscape website We're almost out of the day They're really things. reasonably priced They're like 10 bucks yeah. Free pens And you know what I'm doing Just to get rid of them What are you doing? I'm throwing in stuff From my room Like what? Uh, like I don't know Grab something off my desk Gilmore uh, That's a that's No he a needs lot. that for his bike uh, Maybe that little guy Yeah No he needs I that like for that his little bike guy. too I like that little guy <laughs> Uh, that's something you could possibly find in your package um, But yeah I, I know I know So Somebody's getting Somebody's getting some stuff So uh, guys Order shirts off the front page of geekscape.net And you know your tote bags are nice Tote bags are cool Yeah uh, I think those are like five Yeah they're even cheaper I'm not giving away that rechargeable battery That's for my 360 <laughs> controller <laughs> Gilmore stop I think we're done I think we're done with that Maybe Maybe you'll get the Brady, the, the Eddie Riggs Gilmore, how much worse can this be? Stop putting shit in front of it. the audio listeners. Are like, what the fuck is Gilmore doing? Uh, you can't yeah, make this. Audio listeners. You can't make this. Yeah, I care about them. Uh, you can't make this any more unlistenable, buddy. Uh, so, guys, check us out. Geekscape.net. That is where we go to talk on the forums and all that. Uh, also, Facebook. You can get on Facebook and befriend us and look us up on, on uh, Facebook and become our friends. You could not be more fucking distracting right now, you little fucking troll. Become a fan. Become a fan of our Facebook page, and you can follow me on Twitter under Jonathan London. You can follow him under what? What's your Twitter? What? 
Me, uh, Brian Gilmore. It's Brian Gilmore, and mine is Myopic Prod for Myopic Productions. M Y O P I C P R O D. That's right, and that's your website too, right? Yes, myopicproductions.com. So, guys, uh, you know where mm-hmm. to find us. You know what we have to offer, and we'll see you guys next week with our Halloween episode. I have no cool. fucking clue what I'm going to wear. Yeah, scary. Right. I may just wear human skin. I think Ben's is going to be a rapist again. Again? As opposed to every day. How does he dress? Like a rapist. <laughs> Rapes life for all it's worth. You should bring a uh, Sam Kennison chick on the show. <laughs> Lee, don't, Lee wouldn't have a problem with that. You and Lee still see each other? Yeah, I love it. Not after that Sam Kennison conversation. She was cute. Leah, you're cute. This chick. But he does love the adoration. Is it still rolling? Yeah.